rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Come one, come all, hear ye, hear ye. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast with J.C. Sherbert on a Friday, September 4th. Um, Kind of a somber, I would say, type of uh, Friday today because, you know, we'd all be fired up about the season opener tomorrow against Coastal Carolina, and uh, it's not going to happen. But the season opener against Tennessee will happen three weeks from tomorrow, and that will be uh, obviously exciting. (laughs) Uh, here in the COVID world, but um, it is what it is. Uh, there will be some games this week, and uh, the next week the ACC gets cranking up, and I think some Big 12 too. So, uh, you know, at least we have college football. That's kind of my uh, my feeling on it, although, you know, this morning I woke up, there's kind of a nice breeze outside, and, um, you know, kind of felt like, man, it would be great to have a game day tomorrow. Uh, a Gamecock and, and big school game day, I guess. But uh, we do have that BYU-Navy game, uh, I think, on Monday night. And, you know, there's some other teams playing. And last night, a lot of uh, UAB, Central Arkansas, South Alabama, Southern Miss talk on social media. And um, I guess that goes to show you, you know, it, it, you're starved. You're starved for college football. Um on the corona end of things, you know, yesterday there was a straight-up uh, misinterpreted report from a Penn State doctor. Everybody in the country is like, ah, you know, 35% of all COVID-positive athletes tested positive for myocarditis, um, the heart inflammation thing, which <clears> – <throat> You know, most other doctors, <laughs> SEC, ACC, Big 12 said, well, this is common. It's treatable. Um, you just can't go play a guy that has it. I mean, and, and they screen so much these days at the major power five level for heart conditions. Uh, it's really a situation where, you know, I, I think that got blown out of proportion. And, and, and I think, you know, the more you dig into the Big 10, the more you kind of start thinking about, you know, why did they really pull the plug and all that? Um, I, I know that, you know, there's some talk about they may play and all this good stuff. Um, I don't know that it's going to be October 10th. I, I think you do see some coaches uh, out there that uh, are kind of, oh, no, it's not enough time. But coaches are generally, they want as much time as possible. Uh, I think, you know, if they do restart, the schools that do restart, because I'm here in Illinois and Northwestern because of the uh, – ridiculous draconian sad laws in, in the state of Illinois um, are probably not. They're probably going to opt out. And I think Rutgers will opt out, which, I mean, look, there's all kinds of reasons for them to do that <laughs> uh, in Maryland. But, um, you know, I and maybe not. That's not set in stone. That's just kind of what I've been picking up through the grapevine. Maybe they don't opt out. But, um you know, I think there's time to get everything back together. I mean, like Iowa had a lot of positive COVID cases, and there's a lot of positive COVID cases right now within athletic programs and, and football programs because they didn't have football. I mean, I know they're sort of semi-practicing or working out or whatever, but, you, you know, uh, colleges right now are, are overwhelmed a bit with, with this these positive tests. Um and, you know, shout out to the University of South Carolina students that, 
went to that big party uh, right outside the city limits to avoid social distancing. I mean, but I, I told you this was going to happen. I'm not blaming the college kids. I, I said it's naive and stupid to, for administrators to sit there and, number one, tie football to their being regular school and, and regular college. I mean, that's that's insanity, you know, because a lot – most – and I agree that most college kids are going to be fine and not have to go to the hospital or get sick and, and all that. Um, so I agree with that, but you, you can't play football if you have this and you're tested positive for it. You just can't. Bottom line. So, so how are you going to mix the two? And, and to me, it seemed almost like a barrier to throw up, you know, for people that didn't want football anyway. Um, and, and you look at it, you know, I, th- I think from a football standpoint, you know, South Carolina had four positive tests, according to Will Muschamp. That's an outstanding number considering the number on campus. But uh, I do think, you know, with all of my heart and soul, these two things do not mix. Um, and the more online your football team can go and the more isolated your football team can be, the better. You know, Larry Scott, Pac-12 yesterday, bless his heart, had a had, – you know, this, this new testing thing's a game changer. And then he goes on to say, but we can't bubble up our players. Well, most of your schools are online anyway uh, out west. Um, heck, at Arizona State, man, you can – I could sit right here where I'm at and get a bachelor's degree. They got a whole online school. I guess they have to compete with the University of Phoenix, that monster of online learning with the stadium there in town at ASU. But um, And I know that because I was looking into getting a second bachelor's degree and I kind of explored that um, or a master's. But, um, you know, most of your schools are online anyway. And then, you know, they trip over the local ordinance. These teams can't even practice because of local ordinances. And I'm like, well – Go talk to whoever the hell gave the 49ers permission to practice and get a waiver, you know, if you're Stanford or Cal or whatever. But I thought that was positive, and I, I thought the Pac-12 had handled this thing pretty well, just to be honest. Um, the Big Ten, I still don't understand why people are gravitating toward the side of this per, the, the conference that's been the least transparent by a mile. Uh, they can't give you a straight answer. And then this Penn State thing, 30 to 35%, uh, all of a sudden some reporters that actually care about doing their job and seeking the truth instead of just retweeting it, you know, and it was reported by a newspaper guy. And the reporter that reported it didn't do anything wrong. It was the, the source. Um, so they start, you know, actually calling around to Big Ten programs. Hey, um, how many of you guys have had myocarditis? None. How many of my, None. None, very few, one or two. I think I think I think they called eight programs and got one. The NFL also released a statement that said we've tested uh, again and nobody's got myocarditis. <laughs> and so, you know, they shut it down based on an anecdotal anecdotal study about this the side effect, which is common. We just don't know. We just don't know. Well, I mean, you know, so far so good. You know, uh, three-fifths of the Power Five conferences, no. <laughs> um, and then it just seems like, you know, whenever, uh, you know, whenever you see something that may swing in their direction, you go, well, if that's true, wow. and they had every reason wow. to. Oh, my God. Then um, the dog. They had every reason to. Um and yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna delete that one today. Somebody asked me about Red. He just uh, barks and you know, 
loves to do it during the podcast, wants to say hello to you guys. But, um, you know, and, and you look and you say, well, 30, 35%, I get it. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, that's not even true. And the guy that said it said, oh, no, no, that's not what I meant. You know, so what's, what, you know, why, you know, when you look at the SEC, you look at the ACC, you look at the doctors they put on the record from those conferences, you've looked at the transparency of Bob Bowlesby, John Swafford, and Greg Sankey. Um, you, you look at how they've not shied away from interviews every step of the way, where they've been all honest and straightforward with no guarantees that there will be a season. And they say, hey, well, we're going to try. Um, and the whole Big Ten thing just seems very disingenuous. And I hope Kevin Warren, you know, and those presidents at those schools, you know, sort of make the right decision. And, I, I you know, and, and but because of local ordinances, it may be difficult for the Pac-12 to get it off the ground. Um, but but I think that, you know, the Big Ten definitely needs to do it. And, and I think they need to do it quick and try to get in the playoff. Find a way. Play a six-game schedule if you have to. Get in the playoff. Uh, Pac-12 and Big Ten both preferably. I mean, starting the season in, in Thanksgiving is absolutely stupid. It's, it's a classic Big Ten, Pac-12 thing because they're not going to get in the playoff. Dabo Sweeney was asked about this and – you know, sometimes you got to agree with Dabo. He's like, no, nah, we're ready to roll. We're not delaying the playoff because of these cats, <laughs> you know, and you shouldn't. You shouldn't at all because that's not going to be fair because inevitably what you're going to have is the Pac-10 and Pac-12 and Big Ten are going to have games and they're going to be like, they're not going to have the layoff deal like you normally do heading into the semis, you know, two, two weeks or so. And that's not fair to the programs and conferences that um, the conferences that, uh, you know, had the foresight to go ahead and play. Um, so I agree with Dabo. I don't think uh, you could you can sit there and delay it. I, if I'm the Pac-12 and Big Ten, I, I think you could legit, logistically and legitimately start end of October, get five, six games, and six games I think is the, the, the sweet spot there, maybe seven, uh, play your championship game the very last minute and, and rock and roll. Um, cause you did this to yourself, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to feel sorry for those guys that, I mean, you know, that, uh, don't get a shot at the playoff. And I think what they're doing is once again, just like we had to put up with as college football fans until 1998, when the they wouldn't let go of the Rose bowl, we had stupid things like split national championships because of them. Um, you know, I think that, uh, just like they did then this, there's this arrogance on the part of those two conferences. Um, and look, the Big Ten is an excellent conference. I, I think year in and year out, top to bottom, it's probably number two. Uh, probably shouldn't be. I think the Big 12 in its prime was. But uh, Big 12 is not in its prime anymore. They care about football. They invest. They make money. It's the entire northern fourth of the country. A lot of football, good football up there. Um, you know, uh, I get it. I get their arrogance. A lot of good academic schools, that kind of thing. The Pac-12 um, should be really good, should be the number two conference in the country. Not, they don't. They don't spend their money. They don't make any money. Number one, that you know, most of the schools don't spend it. Although I will say, Arizona State's um, facilities. I watched that on Twitter the other day. They're pretty tight. I mean, they they, they sunk some cash into that, but. Uh, you know, I, I just – I don't think they have any right to sit there and be arrogant about the rest of college football. And they're not going to be the – you know, Ohio State wins eight games, 
you know, goes eight and zero in the Big Ten, nine and zero with the championship, ten and zero wins the Rose Bowl. You know, they're going to be a UCF claiming a national title, and I, I just don't think that's, uh, I don't think that's accurate. I don't think we should reward people that that are, you know, wishy washy and not willing to take the stand. But enough of that. Enough of that. Let's get to the Gamecocks. Got some mailbag questions too. Outside shot that that maybe there's a bonus podcast. I don't know. I don't know if I'll have the time. That's a quote from old school, by the way. I don't know. Maybe a little Bed Bath & Beyond. I don't know. I don't know if we'll have the time. <laughs> Give me that thing. We went to Olive Garden, which was lovely. lovely. Um, so, Will Muschamp on his uh, call-in show last night talked about Hill and Helensky. Uh, praised both of them. You know, praised Ryan first. Ryan was the player of the practice the other day, uh, talking about how he can really throw the ball down the field. He's gotten a lot better. Um, and then talked about Colin Hill. I think it's a battle. Uh, it's continuing to be a battle. Uh, I continue to lean toward Hill. Uh, but uh, you never know. We, we, we have, you know, 22 days here. Uh, and, and like I said yesterday, with Holinsky coming from behind and overtaking Joyner, because he was behind Joyner for the backup job, you know, maybe he's a guy that in camp, you know, midway through he starts making his move make my move, you know? Um, so we'll see kind of uh, how that goes. You know, I, I think that what people have to understand and get in their mind is this is not a situation where the lesser talented guy by a large margin. Now, if I'm sitting there ranking them, I'm evaluating them as prospects. Uh, I'm probably going to put Holinsky ahead of Hill, just to be honest. So, the baseline talent's probably superior where they start, but it's not where you start. You know, a lot of people start five stars when they finish on the bench, <laughs> you know, because somebody better beats them out. And this is a situation where, you know, that could take place. I think that uh, – so what I want to say is, in your mind, I think, as fans, you guys got to get off the whole, well, you know, is the system better, and that's the only reason he's starting. Well, that's probably a reason and a big part of it. But but don't don't sit here and think Colin Hill is not a talented player. You know th- that's my thing. I mean don't don't think that guy has no talent. There are concerns. Uh, his knees in particular, his knee. Um, but uh, he's a guy that can sling it and make the right throws and the right reads. And you know he's he's really in the thick of this thing, not just because uh, he has all this experience in the offense. Now that that's a factor and a big factor. But, you know, I don't think the Gamecocks are going to take a big hit talent-wise if he's on the field. Um, I think that they're close enough, you know, to where you're not going to sit there and go, well, the most talented player is on the bench by a mile. I don't think that's the case. If you want to talk about raw talent, you know, and and not include things like experience or, um, you know, knowing the system or, or any of that, you know, I'd probably put Luke Doty ahead of both those guys you know, just because he can do more things for you. Um, and certainly would put Olinsky, like I said, if I were just ranking them baseline, I'd put Olinsky ahead of Hill. But, you know, you don't you don't get on the field because of your recruiting ranking or, or your, your raw talent. It's a talent maximization game. That's what football is. It's maximization. And you got to maximize. And I think the positive thing, even if Olinsky doesn't start the season as the starter, I think the positive thing is he, you know, he has improved from last year and he's, he's getting there. So 
you know, I, I think that's a, that's a good thing. That's a really good thing because, you know, like Muschamp said, and I agree with him wholeheartedly, and, and we talked about this yesterday, the teams that, you know, sort of manage the, the week in, week out kind of deal, you know, with COVID and injury, those are the teams that are going to be successful this year. So we'll see kind of what happens right there. Um, I mentioned on the bigspur.com today. And by the way, if you're not a subscriber to the bigspur.com, I think you can join for half off right now. It's a great time to be on the Big Spur. Uh, you get to converse with me, John Little, Tony Morrell, Hale McGranahan, John Del Bianco, my outstanding staff. Uh, you get inside basketball pieces by former Gamecock, Kerry Rich, um, photos, videos, um, recruiting, team scoop, all you want right there on the bigspur.com, part of the 24-7 Sports Network. And if you join as an annual member, one thing that's different about 24-7 compared to other networks is you get what's called all-access VIP, which means you can read every team's message board in the network if you're an annual member, which means you pay yearly. Uh, You can go uh, and check out what they're saying at Georgia, North Carolina. We have a huge North Carolina board, and that's significant not because Gamecocks play them, because of recruiting. Uh, Gigantic Georgia site, gigantic Tennessee site, gigantic Florida site, relatively decent Clemson site size-wise. Banana does a great job. Um, Bama, Auburn, you know, LSU, all the SECs are, are really big and good sites. You know, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, Arkansas. Our Arkansas site's insane. Not that you should care about that right now because the game don't have to play Arkansas. But, uh, you know, I, I think that when you look at it, it, it's a good deal. And I certainly would encourage you to join. But I was mentioning – you know, because I'll get there and, you know, talk on the uh, on the website about things. And, um, you know, it, it was a it was a deal where uh, I mentioned that my concern uh, I think I mentioned on the podcast, too, about the wide receiver position has kind of dwindled a little bit. Um, and it's based on potential of some guys. Like I said yesterday, I think, can they catch? Can they run all that? We'll wait and see. I'm starting to have more concerns about running back. Now, Muschamp dropped that Zaquandre White had been suffering through a little hamstring issue. They hope to get him back next week. So that leaves Hill, Harris, and Amos. <laughs> that's three guys. Uh, that's not a, a good good depth number uh, in the SEC. Um, and, you know, so I think running back now with me, just because of the injuries, and that's unfortunate because – here we go, year five, and that position's banged up yet again. Um, you know, I think that's the concern there. And, and and I hope, you know, Deshaun Fenwick was a player out of high school. Again, getting back to baseline talent, I was very high on. He got to campus. Um, there were some things they needed to get him right about. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, he, he needed to run with better pad level. He needed to run between the tackles better. And, and it's been a work in progress, but he's gotten there. Um and certainly, you know, five practices into the spring, people were high on him. And now, you know, he's probably going to be the starter. You know, Kevin Harris, same way. With his situation, it's more, again, ding, 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 staying healthy. Um, and it's crazy because, you know, people talk about strength and conditioning programs and things like that. Um, and Harris works out harder than anybody on the team and is in great shape. You know, some health issues there as far as being injured goes. Nothing huge. But, um, 
So Kevin Harris is there, and then Rashad Amos uh, first scrimmage flashed a little bit, and then of course had some issues holding on to the ball. And you got to hold on to the ball, but he's a freshman. That's another one of those things that you know Des Kitchings can work with him on. Um, so you got those three. So I'll be curious to see in the scrimmage tomorrow how that works out. Um, just kind of all that. All right, news as far as we had some opt outs yesterday at Carolina. I knew it was coming. Uh, as far as more opt-outs, I didn't know exactly who. Ortre Smith has opted out. Ranricus Davis has opted out. Those two guys, I kind of felt like once practice started and you didn't really hear much about them and you started seeing wide receiver depth charts and things like that, that, um, um, you know, I was like, they're probably not going to play a whole lot. You know, there's something going on there. Um, Ranricus Davis could actually – be a South Carolina Gamecock football player for seven years now uh, because he definitely qualifies to get the sixth year as far as um, the injuries he's had goes. And this year's a red shirt, so you, he, he could still have two more in him. <laughs> seven years. Uh, Tommy boy, lots of people go to college for seven years. Yeah, they're called doctors. Hey, I went for six and a half. <laughs> a studious person I was not. I'm really smart, but I, I didn't, uh, you know, you drop a class here or there, you know, <laughs> change majors a couple of times, you know, you do that. But, uh, yeah, so Ranrigus Davis or Trey Smith opt out. Uh, Jordan Rhodes, who was scheduled to be the starting guard, right guard this year, uh, he opted back in. He said he wanted to come back. And so that's good. And, um, I, you know, for those of you out there that like to – sort of speculate about Javon Gwynn moving to center, which is something that I think they may have played around with earlier. He's not, not right now. Um, they like Eric Douglas there. Eric Douglas has won the job. I mean, you know, because it was supposed to be Manos. Um, and so they like him there. And, and I think it's going to take Jordan Rhodes a while to get into game shape. The good news is, let's say you have an injury or a COVID thing, you got a guy that started a bunch last year, you can step right in. And I was, you know, we were talking about that the other day, depth on the offensive line, you know, throwing out names like Wyatt Campbell, you know, move Vinnie Murphy over from center, shift it, you know, do whatever. Um, and I like Wyatt Campbell, and I think, you know, he's obviously a developmental guy that's come a long way. And, you know, I really like really high on Vinnie Murphy as well. But, you know, if you can have your sixth guy be a guy that started most of the season, uh, I think that's positive, but it's going to take him a while to get into shape. So don't think that everybody's just going to go running and, you know, well, let's, let's teach Joe let's, in 22 days. Let's teach Gwen how to snap and, you know, slide Rhodes back in and all that. Rhodes is a really good player, but, you know, I think, you know, you're getting a Jordan Rhodes right now that's got to get back into game shape and get back in the swing of things. And, and he will. And, hey, my baby, by October, he's back out there. You know, like I said, he's a good player. And certainly a good thing for him to opt back in. I mean, everybody red shirts this year anyway. I mean, on the offensive line, it's crazy. You know, all these guys, uh, you know, you're, you're going to be able to – if turning time isn't a first-round pick or something, he's going to be able to come back. Wanham's going to be able to, come, you know, have two more years. It's uh, – that spot in particular, it's a godsend, this extra red shirt thing. So we'll see kind of what happens there. Um you know, you, you look at it and uh, receiver, getting back to that spot, 
now that they don't have Randrakis Davis. Uh, I, you know, a lot of people are talking about Jalen Brooks getting healthy, you know, and I've talked about it too. I'm not saying everybody else. And uh, this is my special little take, my special little take here. Um, that's not it. Uh, I think that, um, uh, I, I think that, you know, I've talked a lot about Jalen Brooks and, and again, and look, consider this, those of you that are like, he's a D2 player. Yeah. He's a D2 player. Yeah. Let's just dismiss him. It's no different than coming from a junior college. And trust me, if you want to talk about going and playing games and being coached and organized football, you know, not that the JUCOs aren't organized football. I mean, I love those coaches in JUCO. And, you know, I I tend to really appreciate uh, the junior college system and the opportunity it gives players. Uh, I think it's uh, it would be so sad if, if there wasn't junior college football. But the D2s are just the same. I mean, it's the same thing, you know. You know, junior colleges send three or four or five guys to D1 and a lot to D2 and a lot to FCS. The majority of their rosters are not, you know, power five players. Uh, most of them are D2 or FCS level players. And, and you know, so you think about there's no difference level of competition-wise in Jalen Brooks and a guy that went to JUCO for two years and came out playing like a stud. Um, and nobody would be saying anything about a junior – oh, this junior college guy. He's awesome. He's going to step right in. Larry Freeman, remember him? <laughs> so, anyway, that's uh, that's the deal on Brooks. But, you know, so, so my special little take that I was going to say was I almost think that, you know, the other thing to watch here is Xavier Leggett. Um, and Xavier Leggett was a guy in the preseason last year. You know, you saw some of the great catches he made. You saw his speed, fastest player on the team, talk about that. And, you know, then we just didn't even see him until later in the year. And, you know, I think bringing him along – I think you could bring along a player slowly or quickly. And I think this is one of the things Brian McClendon probably struggled with last year, trying to call the ball plays, run the offense. You know, what are you going to do when Jake Bentley gets hurt? You're going to have to redo some things. Um, and, and there just wasn't that one-on-one time that Leggett probably needed to get out there and, and, and make plays. Now he did make some plays. You know, he had a touchdown reception against Vandy on a nice uh, uh, post pattern. I guess it's a post pattern. Um, and uh, he had a big kickoff return at A&M. You know, obviously he's athletic. Uh, I think that, you know, his development and his ability to take a step forward this year is going to be huge, maybe even bigger than Brooks, you know, because I think the top, the top two right now are shy and like, and, you know, you're going to have some formations where you just have two receivers on the field because they'll go double tight. There's all kinds of formations. And so, you know, maybe his development isn't something we've talked about a whole lot. You know, because I, I feel like had he stayed at the level he was on last year, you know, it was going to be hard for him to keep a Rico Powers off of him just because last year he just didn't – didn't you know, flashed here, flashed there, but wasn't consistent. So, you know, I, I think that's another storyline when we talk about the wide receivers, which I am not as down on, um, is Xavier Leggett or Leggett, however you want to say it. Um, so that's uh, – those are kind of my quick hitters. Now, today, this afternoon – Tune into the bigspur.com. 
Uh, Mike Bobo is meeting with the media again. Travaris Robinson is meeting with the media again. Several players, including Ryan Helensky and Colin Hill, meeting with the media again. Um, so lots of news to come out there if there's anything huge and breaking. Uh, obviously, we do the emergency podcast if there's something big. Um, but, uh, you know, be sure to check that out. I'm recording this before any of that happened. So I hope I did not say anything stupido <laughs> that they end up contradicting. Well, JC, that's not right. Xavier Leggett's like eighth string now. and uh, They said he couldn't play. That wouldn't be that would be unfortunate. Mailbag. Okay. I want to thank everybody. PSA for the mailbag. Thank you. Thank you very, very much for um, you know, sending in the questions on the mailbag. You could do it two ways. You can tweet at us uh, and be sure to follow the 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 Twitter account for this podcast at the Big Spur Pod, because uh, this is an affiliated 24-7 sports podcast uh, affiliated with the Big Spur.com in South Carolina. Uh, and all that. So that the big spur pod, be sure to check that out. Uh, and you, I will answer you if you can tweet at us. Uh, and, and I think that's a good way to kind of um, get people to follow the account. Uh, and, um, you know, also have some fun on Twitter. So well, have fun on Twitter. Twitter's not a very fun place these days. Uh, inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com is the email. If you prefer that. Um, I uh, certainly would, I welcome all of that. So we got four today. I'm gonna start with I'm on. I'm on is I'm on is a word in the South. I'm on. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do that. Proud to say it like that, even though it's probably you know unprofessional and people are out there going, "That's abhorrent." How can he speak that way? Oh, he's a, he's a redneck. Oh my god. All right, Joe. He says, question for the podcast. Does Rose have, Rhodes, have, Jordan Rhodes, have time to learn enough of the offense before game one? <laughs> Here we go. I didn't read this before I got on. To allow Gwen to move to starting center, just want the best five on the field. And look, man, I, I understand that the Jovan Gwen to center thing was something that's been talked about out there. It's speculated on. And, you know, there was talk that they were thinking about doing that. Uh, before Groves opted out, but but there's just not enough time, and I'm not sure it's the right move to make. Um, because I'm not sure if center's going to be a weakness, uh, and I, I just I just don't think there there is enough time to do it, and I don't think they would have done it regardless, based on what I've heard about Eric Douglas, and Manos, and Vinnie Murphy. I mean, I just I just don't think they do it. Um, you know, if if it ends up the guards are struggling. Uh, and I can't imagine Sedarius Hutcherson struggling, uh, or Joe Var- Joe Var- Joe Var- Gwynn struggling at right guard. I think they're going to plop Rhodes in, you know, to his spot and just put Jovan on the bench. Um, I do think uh, when you kind of look at it, you know, if you if you if, if Eric Wolford looks at the, you know Manos and Murphy and thinks, well, maybe those guys aren't our centers of the future, and to get our you know, maybe you do train Gwen up, but he, he's only taking emergency snap. This is another one of those things like Mukwamu going to safety. Uh, it's something that could happen in certain packages or something that they consider. But, and in some people's opinion, it's the best five. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest when, you know, during the offseason, I, I was, I was kind of you know, intrigued by it. But I just, you know, right now that that's, you know, I don't want people to sit out there and think, 
well, that's the move they were going to make anyway, because that was just something they were considering. Um, so, by the way, it's United College Colors Day, which uh, makes me even sadder that there's no game tomorrow. Uh, so yeah, so I, I, Joe, I think I answered your question earlier in the pod, and I didn't, I didn't, re- I didn't read the question before. Um, so there's that. So I, you know, no, there's not enough time. I do expect win, and you're right. You want the best five on the field. I'm not sure that right now that includes Jordan Rhodes because he's been out. Um, he's got to be in shape. Uh, but I do think it's a positive he's back because I think he's good. If that makes any sense, Joe. Thank you so much. Keep on uh, tweeting at us, buddy. Uh, and a nice spurs up hashtag there from Joe. Uh, Dr. Bob. <laughs> uh, uh, Dr. Robert is, is the name on the pot on the Twitter account, but call Dr. Bob, maybe Dr. Bob that that's uh, is, can that be your nickname on the podcast? Um, I did. He said, JC love the podcast. Even if you butchered my last name on the show. Yeah. I'm not going to, uh, I guess it's Sear Foss. Um, yeah, I butchered it. But like, look, my last name Sherbert spelled S H U R B U R T T. I get Schubert, Schubert, Scheinbart. It's a, it's the German spelling of Sherbert. So, you know, think about that for a minute. So, you're not alone with people butchering your name. And uh, I apologize, Doctor Bob. I'll just call you Doctor Bob from now on. How about that? Um, and I appreciate the question. Uh, is there a position group that you feel has a distinct advantage over their Tennessee counterparts across the ball? Keep up the great work. I do. I think that South Carolina's offensive line has an advantage against Tennessee's defensive line. Um, I think South Carolina's defensive backfield has an advantage over Tennessee's receivers. Um, I, I would say those things right now, uh, you know, Tennessee's quarterback situation with Garantano is always going to be interesting. Um, you know, if it were me, I'm kind of maybe – I don't know. I'm just I mean, he plays great. He plays bad. They got other guys that they put in there sometimes. Um, so, quarterback versus who, I don't know. You know, I, I'm just curious to see what their receivers – and it looks like Jalen Hyatt's going to play. So, that's, <laughs> that increases the stakes there. Um, uh you know, I'm curious to see kind of what they're going to do uh, with that. So so that would be an advantage. You know, is Tennessee stacked at running back like they once were? No. So you gain cock linebackers versus their running backs. You know, maybe if Ernest Jones gets back, you know. So, uh, you know, and, and then South Carolina's defensive line, I would not say has an advantage over Tennessee's offensive line right now. But I think South Carolina's defensive line is capable of of getting in there and making some things happen against that O-line, no matter how talented they are. Um, And so we'll see kind of what happens. So thank you, Dr. Bob, for that question. Uh, Moving right along, and these come in from um, email. Michael says, Mike, actually Mike, Mike says, JC, love the podcast. You don't struggle with much, but the whole DEFCON thing has got you by the tail. Attached is a quick chart to get you through. All right. So, yeah, he sends me a um, <laughs> a chart here. It's got a picture of John F. Kennedy on it. And, uh, yeah, the DEFCON thing. Um, DEFCON 1 uh, is the is the worst one. DEFCON 1, you know, so that's critical. DEFCON 5 is low. 
Uh, and thanks, Mike. I, like I said, when I responded to your email, I, I need to go watch war games again, but I, I'm going to keep this handy. DEFCON 1 is the most critical. So I, uh, DEFCON 5 means no danger. So, all right. So there we go. Thank you very much, though. And, um, of course, uh, John F. Kennedy's picture is on here because of the Cuban Missile Crisis in 1962. I've, um, I've, I've read a bunch of books about that, watched documentaries. And I've seen Independence Day when they upgraded DEFCON, whatever. And uh, I just didn't get the numbers straight. Just got mixed things up in my head. It's kind of like when I used to do the old podcast, um, and I'd say consternation and angst instead of angst and consternation. Um, that's just kind of me sometimes. But uh, I appreciate that. So, so folks, DEFCON 1 is critical. DEFCON 5 is low. And the crappy thing about that, too, is Mike Morgan and I on J.C. and Morgan Podcast. By the way, great interview with Andy Staples on the J.C. and Morgan Podcast. Uh, go rate it five stars. Uh, go listen to it. It's, it's really good. There's some audio issues for about one minute at the beginning, but other than that, it's good. Um, but we did a whole DEFCON 5 to 1 show. We did a segment on that last year almost every week. And uh, I guess I just forgot to learn it. So now I'm going to learn it. Um, dumb me. Josh says, JC, thanks for doing the podcast, especially for those of us that live in the upstate of South Carolina uh, and are tired of all the media that drink the orange Kool-Aid. Yeah, it's it's high times in the upstate of South Carolina right now for those that wear orange. I'm uh, not going to lie to you. As far as media in the upstate goes, they, you know, ESPN Upstate had a chance to have a really good show that had a lot of good South Carolina talk on it. And, uh, you know, they decided to go another direction. So I guess 40% of the uh, fans in the upstate of South Carolina just have to live with hearing about their rivals all the time. Um, and probably same is true in the Midlands. So I think we've arguably got one of the best fan bases in the country. I, I agree, but I think that this fan base is, you know, a little bit weary right now. Uh, help me answer this for my son. Why are we Gamecocks? What makes us stand by this team through thick and thin? Thanks, brother. Well, that's an interesting deal. I, I think that most of Gamecock fans were just born Gamecock fans. I think when, when you think about South Carolina football and you think about, you know, the memories that are associated with it, and, and you can walk through the fairgrounds and, and, and the parking lots adjacent to the williams Bryce Stadium on game day, and, and you see this. You know, you see people out there, a dad tossing the ball with his son. He's got his jersey on or his – Kids got the jersey on. Dad's got the polo shirt on. They got the visors on, sunglasses. They got a spread underneath. The, you know, the ladies are over underneath the tailgate tent, talking. Uh, people are playing cornhole, uh, and you walk through these tailgating spots, and and you see there's generations of fans. You know, somebody's granddaddy, somebody's daddy, a son. Um, and that's kind of the. What makes it all special? <laughs> kind of got me here, man. Is that it's not about wins and losses, and you know, partying even at the games, or or you know, winning, losing, getting on message boards. You know, Carolina football is about family. You know, that's that's why people come back. It's not, you know, to see a championship level team, although. 
You know, it's nice to see a championship level team. It's nice, nice, lot not to lose. It's not, it's not about the, you know, people used to make fun of Gamecock fans for winning the tailgate and partying. And, you know, I think they got that wrong. It's, it's not LSU as far as, you know, the amount of alcohol that flows, though alcohol does flow. It's, it's about family. Um, and, and even if you don't come from a generational Gamecock family, uh, if you just kind of maybe you're from Virginia or, or New Jersey or and you went to school there, you know, that's the start of that because you're going to pass that down. Um, and, and I think even in families in, in South Carolina that, you know, half of them pull for Clemson, half of them pull for South Carolina, that, that's kind of what makes it special in that state is family. Um, and and you, you can say that for a lot of schools, you know, but I think in particular, why are Gamecock fans so loyal? What, 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 what draws – Carolina fans back. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's the memory of all these great games, although those are great memories. I think it's the memories of the times that we've all had with our families and our friends, extended families, et cetera, uh, right there in that stadium. I mean, and, and, I say, and I'm telling you, in my life, you know, I can tie a lot of significant moments in my life and great moments and some bad ones too uh, to Gamecock football. And, you know, that's why it means a lot to me. And uh, that's why I think it means a lot to, uh, yeah, some of the best fan bases in the country, best fans in the country. And, and I think that's also why sometimes you see the stadium empty out when they're not playing well because I think it hurts. You know, if, if you, your, your brother, if you're mad at your brother or you're disappointed, you kind of sometimes want to go in the other room, mad at your wife or your kids, you know, go to the other room, walk away. Um, so that's what I think it's about, you know, family. And that's why I think it was important to get a season off this year because, you know, right now and the, the, the troubles we've had in our country, uh, and the issues we've had, and a lot of people have struggled through it and stuff. And, and there've been issues that, you know, I think that's a positive thing. It's something that brings everybody together. And it's something that families, even though there's not going to be that big crowd at Williams Bryce, I, I think still, you know, how many of you are going to get together with your family and friends and get the band back together, so to speak, and have some normalcy on September 26th? I know I am. Um, yeah, I know I am. So thanks, Josh. I hope all is well. I appreciate the email. All right. So that is all the time we have today on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast on a Friday again. Press conferences coming up. Hit up thebigspur.com. If anything earth-shattering happens there, I am going to probably bust out an emergency pod. But that, that's going to be the case with most breaking news items, unless it like happens on a weekend or something where I'm just absolutely not in front of my little recording studio station here. Uh, I don't think you guys – I don't even think technically there's a way I could record anything like that on my phone. Um, but uh, you can expect the emergency pods – to keep on rocking, rocking in the free world. All right, go on, rate this podcast five stars. I'm thankful that all of you guys have been doing that. Again, we were the number 105 podcast in all of the football category. That includes NFL, college, a little soccer uh, in the United States per Apple Pods. Uh, there is no other Gamecock podcast listed there, and I'm not running in. I'm not like. I'm not trying to run them down or anything like that. Um, but I was proud of that uh, because that, that means you guys are listening and responding. 
uh, and appreciate all the ratings and reviews and, and please keep those coming. It takes five seconds to do. Like I said, get your wife to do it too. Just say, Hey, you know, this is a great podcast or whatever. Cause that certainly helps. Certainly helps. Um, and all that. All right. This is JC Sherbert. This has been inside the game podcast. Hope everyone has a wonderful labor day weekend. I didn't even mention that. I usually mention labor day. It's coming up um, and watch some ball and, uh, Enjoy time with your family and friends because, like I said earlier, that's what it's all about. All right. Holla at you later.